that even if you're on a tightrope and I choose to carry you across that tightrope, stretching out over a valley, you can assure that your dad, being your father, I won't drop you. And God is saying, because you're forever mine, I'll never drop you. I'll never let you go. And so no matter what you're going through today, next week or whatever, you're forever his. And that won't change. It just won't. So, Father, we thank you that we're forever yours. And you guide us with your hands on us. And we come to praise and worship and thank you for that. That there's nothing that we're going through that we don't go through because of a reason or because of what you're trying to get out of us because of what you put in us. There's a treasure there. And that treasure, Heavenly Father, is gold. And that no matter what circumstances we have, we're not to be surprised by it. <laughs> As if there's some fiery ordeal. And so we love you because what? We're forever yours. In Jesus' precious name we pray. And everybody said, amen and amen. It's so good to see you on a October morning where you getting 80 and 70 degrees, man. God must love you people in Fort Collins or something like that. It's a beautiful, beautiful out there. And we'll accept whatever we can get. But I, I just want to warn you as a pastor that you know we're in October, okay? I just want to warn you, I love you, okay? So when this weather changes, don't be surprised, okay? Just don't be surprised. But get as much of it as you can. And we'd like to thank you for being with us today. And I'm praying for most of you. I know that uh, some of those, that flu and all those things are going around. Man, we want to just bless you and ask God to protect you uh, from all of that. Now, we've got a lot of great things happening in our midst. And, and when you came in, you you got a brochure. And I'll, you know, I'm going to refer to it from time to time because what we're doing is wrapping up uh, a series uh, that we've been in for the last eight weeks basically talking about two things, grace and attitude. And we kind of wrapped that up today. And uh, we've been helping you see the principles, the uh, promises, uh, you know, the preparedness, you know, and all those things about giving. And not one time have I talked to you at all about money, except for today, because I want you to understand at the end of all of this, when you can get giving down, when you can get giving your time down, when you can get giving your talents down, when you can get giving your treasures, then you understand why God made you a giving instrument, because it says, for God so loved the world that he what? That he gave, and he wants you to be a giving person. And it's really important that you continue to give because the Bible tells us that it is more blessed to give than it is to receive. And we save the money part for the end. Uh, so for eight solid weeks, we've been just giving you a principle. Now, now you need to understand that this goes way beyond the cash. Uh, but by the time you get to the cash, you understand, ah, that's... That's why, you know, he wants me to take these resources and do uh, what we need to do with it. So I, w I want you to take seriously this brochure. I want you to take it home, make it a bookmark, and look at it every single day. Because God is going to require you to give something of yourself each and every day. Now, now we're, we're, we're going we're gonna to jump into this financial stewardship as a bookend to what we started uh, eight weeks ago. But I, I want to say something to you. You know, I want to say something to you about 
about my, my, my guys, you know, my dogs, my CSU football team. Let me tell you something. These men will not grow weary in doing what's right. And so we're going to continue to pray for them. You know, it's a good bunch of group of guys. You know, they're special and it ain't over with. It ain't over with. We, we, we get them in both service. We got some of them here at this service and have some the next service. But I, 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 I do want you to, to understand that when you are in a tight ball game of life, uh, you don't want to be on the other side of a close call. You don't want to be in a situation in life where it could go either way and you wind up on the bad side because you lack fundamentals. You wind up on the bad side because you you get away from foundation, uh, you wind up on the bad side because you don't take principles serious. Life is like that. And when you live in a world that has not only just tightness in the way it views life, but even tightness, even in an economy where people are, are, are very stingy and, and concerned uh, about whether or not they're going to have enough, it, it, it's important that you remain uh, living out the principles. It, it, it's important that you realize that in this playbook of life, uh, you got rules and regulations that govern you through tough times. Church, are you with me? At all. Because things get tight. Uh, relationships get tight. But, but when you have a tight relationship in its own edge, uh, you don't go through emotions and thinking. Guess what you go? You go through the fundamentals of what makes a relationship a relationship. And when you go back to the fundamentals of that, that's how you solve problems. Same thing happens in business. When business gets tight, uh, you, you don't somehow re- resort to, to, to certain kinds of spending. What you do is you go back to business principles. Well, ladies and gentlemen, what, what we're doing today is what, what, what we want to help you with is that when things get tight in financial times, I believe we're suffering financial setbacks because of moral laxity. Uh, I believe we're experiencing things in our country today uh, because we've gotten away from the principles of God. Do you agree with me on that? I, I think you do. And so what I want to do today is just kind of wrap up this eight-week series. Uh, and I've learned so much about giving uh, that it, it, this this has transformed my life. And it has now made me understand now why stewardship is so important, why you should take the time to take the things that you have in your possession and allow the biblical principles to guide you. Whether that's time, whether that's talent, whether that's money, it doesn't make any difference. I just want to encourage you in that. And, and as a believer, it, it, it becomes what you would call an act of worship before our God. Now, if you would turn with me to 1 Corinthians, and we're going to look at chapter 4, and we're going to just talk about being a good steward. This just does not rest in the financial area. But if you're a good steward, period, there are blessings. And when we talk about financial stewardship, when you look at the word finances, is nothing more than money being a means to get to something. It is not an end within itself. It's not how much you got, but it's what you do with what you got. But when you talk about stewardship, the issue is, can you be trusted? 
Can you be trusted with what God puts into your care? Can you be trusted with the talent that God gave you? Can you be trusted with the time that he allows you each and every day? Ladies and gentlemen, time is precious. It's very, very precious. But when you get to be a good steward with the talent and gifts that God has given you, and you become a good steward with the uh, what you would call uh, talent that he gave you, now when it comes down to possessions, it's no big thing. I had to learn that. I had to learn that. So carry over into uh, your possessions the principles that you have with your time and talent. Paul is speaking this to some ministers, and he wants them to know the accountability that they have to God and their ministry to God, just like I have an accountability to you. Watch this in verse 1 and 2 in 1 Corinthians 4. It says, let a man regard us in this manner, okay, as stewards, as what, hold on, as uh, servants of Christ and stewards, watch this, of the mysteries of God. See, I'm not only a servant, but when the world look at me, they're going to see me mysteriously, not some weird ghost music that comes around. It's not that kind of stuff. But the world is going to look at me and say, wow, there's something about these people in the way that they handle, watch this, their time, in the way that they handle their talent, watch this, and in the way that they handle their treasures. See, it, 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 something about that is attractive because I watch how they do it. You know what? They always seem to have enough. They never seem to be lacking in anything. And it becomes a mystery to the world. And what it does is it draws the world to you. It draws the world to you. And these are mysteries. And then he says, in this case, moreover, then there's a requirement that comes. See, in this case, moreover, it is required of stewards, people who are accountable, servants, to what? To be found what? trustworthy. Now the question is this. You know, it, it, it means a lot to me that my wife trusts me. Uh, she don't trust me in everything. She'll tell you that. But, 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 but it's important that my children trust me. You know, unless I give them something not to trust. But let me tell you something, man. The question in my soul at times is that does God trust me? Does, does he really trust me? And he's watching all the time. <laughs> and and, can, and, and can, can he trust me with the little stuff that he gives me so that he can what? Give me what? Bigger, bigger stuff. And so Paul is trying to say to these ministers and to these leaders, in case moreover it is required of stewards that one be found what? Trustworthy. Trustworthy. So the issue now, if you go back to the title, out of anything that he has put into your care, he washes you in two areas, in your behavior and with your possessions. Morally and financially. There's over 2,300 scriptures in the Bible about money. 
the most in any subject in the entire Bible. You know why? Because money could easily make you a god. Money gives you power. And that's why I like every now and then to put on the old OJ's tune. I thought about bringing it to you today. Boom, boom, boom. I'm not going to get into that. But let me tell you something, man. That thing gets the grooving, man. Some people got the head. Y'all know what I'm talking about. If you got any kind of soul, you know exactly what I'm saying. And it's not talking about that money is bad. It never says money is bad. It tells you the love of it and letting it control you is bad. So the stewards in the believer is to show the world that God wants to use this to further his kingdom. So God wants you and I to be good stewards. So I'm ending this series by sharing with you in just a moment three types of giving. But let me just say this to you first. There's no better indicator of growth in the life of a believer than in the area of giving. You want to see a man mature? Look at his checkbook. That includes you too, women. Okay. Giving is maturity. And then God is not concerned as much about the amount as he is the motive. He's not. Because once again, uh, we go back to the two things that I've taught you for eight solid weeks. Grace, which is given by God, gives you an ability to do something that you cannot do on your own. Grace gives you favor. And then attitude, have this attitude which is in like, which is in Christ Jesus. That even though he had all of his power, even though he had all of his stuff at his disposal, what did he do? Man, he humbled himself. Those two things should govern everything you do. And God don't want you to be on the other side in life, financially, economically, of close calls. He doesn't. Let me let me just read something to you before we jump into these three types. You know, there, there's nothing about our giving uh, that, that represents obligation and, 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 and bills that are due. What it does, it represents what God has done in choosing you, just like he chose Israel and he adopted her. Christ became that offering that he gave. And, and, and it made a transformation. To, and as a result, as believers, we become saved and delivered. But let me just read this to you. Our giving is now his testimony. Stinginess represents being untrue to him and to our real nature in him. God has never created one human being to be stingy with anything. Anything. He hasn't. Just as, okay, any team, just like our guys experienced yesterday, that end up on the wrong side of a tight game, okay? They falter at what? Fundamentals. And there are times when you do that, you misrepresent who you really are. 
So if you and I falter at these three fundamentals that I'm getting ready to give you, it misrepresents who Christ really is in your life so that you can show the world. So when you looked at your little uh, brochure that you need to take with you and you open that up, the one thing that you need to be driven by is what is said in the middle at the top. The world's economy is based on buying and selling. But God's economy is based on giving and receiving. That makes you different. And that's a principle that you just got to get into your spirit. It's the hallmark of the Christian walk. It is a mark of maturity. So let's talk real quickly here as we get ready to get into the heart of this. Three things. You should have your uh, handouts there. You should have your fill, your fill in the blanks and all that. You need to take this home because there are three types of giving. One is called tithe. Okay. Now, we're going to look at that. And tithe is nothing more than a, than a tenth part of one's income. And it is what? Consecrated to God. Now, ladies and gentlemen, we're, we're talking about something here. We're talking about a measurement that God has set and an act of what? Obedience. Now, watch this. It's to be given to the church. That's where it's supposed to be given. Discipline is being given to the church. Now, why don't you turn with me, if you can, to Malachi, the uh, third chapter. I'm going to hit this real briefly because there are some principles in here that I want you to see. Okay? Now, you need to understand what's going on in this. When I read Malachi 3, I, 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 I watched some, some coaches uh, 15, 20 years ago get saved uh, in, in this book. Well, we read this book for a whole football season. And I was the nervous one because the book was written to priests. It was written to leaders. It was written to pastors. And and, and he starts out by, by telling them, hey, 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 I want you all to understand something, man. You show more respect to your governors and your bosses than you do me. Your attitude is wrong. Because you give all of these places stuff that belongs to me. And this is God talking to his priests. They, they started bringing disease sacrifices, man. They started bringing animals that had all kind of crap on them and everything, but they were giving their governors and their bosses the best. And then he comes in the third chapter, man, and he makes a statement. And I want you to see this with me in verse 6. It says, for I, the Lord, does not change. Therefore, you, O sons of Jacob, are not consumed. Now, what he's basically saying is you have become hard-headed and you don't want to change. And what he's saying is I am not going to change either. But because I'm a covenant-keeping God, I'm not going to blow you out of here. <laughs> Isn't that fun? I mean, that, that, there's times when, you know, when, when, when my parents used to spank me so much that when my dad got home, I just gave him the belt. And then he looked at me and said, boy, get away from here. What? Because I knew I'd done something wrong. And he says, no, don't worry about it. When I knew I deserved it. And God is saying, you deserve to be blown out of here, priest. 
But because I'm a covenant keeping God, because I stay with my promise, here's what he says. He, he says, for, for the days of your father, you have turned aside from my statue and have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord of hope. But you say, how shall we return? And then he says, will a man rob God? Yes, he, you, you, you're, you're robbing me. But you say, how are you robbing thee? In tithe and offerings. Now, I'm going to read through this all the way to verse uh, uh, 12, and then I'm going to give you the four arrows, okay? And, and then he says, you, you, you're cursed with a curse, for you are robbing me, the whole nation of you. Bring the whole tide into the storehouse. That's the church. So that there may be food in my house. Test me. <laughs> now in this, says the Lord of hosts, and if I were not uh, open for you the windows of heaven and pour out for you a blessing until it overflows, then I will rebuke the devourer. Y'all need to understand what that is for you so that it may not destroy the fruit of your ground. That means when you grow crops, the, the, I'm not going to bring the disastrous locusts and rain and all that stuff, floods. And nor will your vine in the field cast its grapes. I'm not going to bring disease to your vine so that by the time the grapes get ready to ripe, man, they're rotten and fall off. I'm not going to do that, says the Lord of hosts. And all the nations will call you blessed, for you shall be delightful. You, you shall be a delightful land, says the Lord of hosts. Now, let me say what this, let me show you what this is saying to you. First of all, God says, don't rob me. But here's the the first of the, the, the first of the three R's. But return. Not only does he says return, he says when you return, I will release. Number two, and then number three, he says I will restore. So here's how you stop robbery: you return, I release, and I restore. I'll restore. Why? Because I will not let the weather destroy your crops. I will not let the locusts destroy your crops. And he's saying this about everything, time, talents, and possession. But watch this. I'll take away the devourer who seems to come in the mail all the time. Who seems to have something that happens in your house where you ain't got no money. All of a sudden, here comes another bill. Here comes another medical thing you got to do. And all of a sudden, problems fall out of the sky. But he says, let me tell you this, man. If you return to me and repent, money will fall out of the sky when you need it. Amen, church. Because what? It is a tithe. And before we go to the next two, let me tell you about the tithe. It is the only one out of the three types where he gives you a rate of exchange. It's the only one. He says, man, look here, if you give me 10, he didn't say nine and a half. He didn't say take your tithe and break it up into giving something over here. And he said, no, don't do that. He didn't say break your tithe up and give something here and give. No, one tithe, the whole thing, bring it into the church, and I will bless your socks off. Why? Because the tithe is not for you. It's for the church. So I just want you to understand, this is discipline. This is financial discipline. That's all he's asking you to do. Now, grace and attitude does not allow you to give a tithe under compulsion. You give a tithe because you want to. You don't give a tithe because you're obligated to. 
You give it because you want to honor God's provisions. Do you hear me, church? Yeah. Man, beside our wives and our family, there's nothing more close to us than cash. There's nothing that influences more besides people who are significant to us than money. God is saying, can I trust you in this type of giving to realize that I am asking you just to be obedient? Now, let me say this to you. If if this church gave tithe, we would never have another need. You know why? Because the amount of money means nothing. The fact that we're tithing, God would just, we'll we'll have the next millionaires and billionaires sitting in this room. I mean, and the church today across America stumbles on this. And and so all I'm saying to you as, as we close out this series, and I have taken eight weeks to get you ready for three words. And to show you it has nothing to do with money, but it has everything to do with your money. What you do with it. Tithe. I love the shout of the little, 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 little voices in here. I love that. But because Abraham did that in the seventh chapter of the book of Hebrew, Hebrew, when it talks about him giving his tenth to Melchizedek. See, I just want to close with, close this one, uh, part with this statement. Failure to love and serve him in this area. Here's something that the church don't want to hear. Man, it brings a curse on your head. That's right there in scripture. I didn't say that. Man, let's get the curse off of us. Let's not take that 10% that God is asking you to give by obedience. He's not forcing you to do it. It's not like he's not going to bless you if you don't do it. But what he's saying is, and the church get into all this, well, man, should I tithe uh, on the uh, net or the growth? Stop it. That's nitpicking. Just give it. How much do you want to be blessed? I mean, that's all it is. But, but, but he says the whole nation of you have brought a curse on yourself because you choose not to be obedient in this area. Let me tell you something. Ladies and gentlemen, like myself, many of us in this room cannot afford not to tithe. Because that's the only thing that's going to get you out of debt. So the principle of the kingdom is giving and receiving. Not under obligation. Let me say this to you. You may think that talking about money does not necessarily touch where you're living at. I differ. Because I'll tell you that the way you handle your money has a lot to do with the way you run your life. So we can't divorce ourselves from it. We just can't. And if you've just come here today and you think we're a church that talk about money, you have missed us. It's taken us eight weeks to get to this. I I ask you to go and get the uh, tapes or whatever we got. And you read this brochure and you'll see it's taken eight weeks for us to even get to this point. I'm not apologizing. (laughs) I'm just telling you where we are. 
Now let's look at the second one here. We got we got two more left. It's not going to take us that long, but I, I just want you to get it here. Now, 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 the second one here that you're dealing with is called offering. Now, now, will, will, will you turn with me to Romans, okay, twelve one and two, and and these offerings are also looked at. If you wanna if you wanna get a good uh, understanding of offering, all you got to do is read those first fifteen chapters of the book of Leviticus. I mean, man, it's very powerful. Because these offerings now is what is called sacrificial. And it is based as an act of worship, not only public, but also privately. In Romans 12, 1 and 2, here's what it says. It says to you, it says, I urge you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living over the sacrifice. Watch this. Acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. It's an offering. So let me tell you something. You have no problem giving money to God when you gave yourself to God first. Did that make sense to you? Well, when you give yourself to God first, releasing your finances is really not an issue. It really isn't. Now, it also says that do not be what conformed to this world. What? What it means? You know what it means? Do not be conformed to the buying and selling. Okay? But be transformed. Watch this. I'm just adding this. By the giving and receiving, be transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good, acceptable, and which is perfect. Because if tithing is a measurement, an act of obedience that's given to the church, then offerings is a model, a model for you to look at because of the selflessness of who you are, because of the selflessness of Jesus. Now watch this, offering is for you. It's for you to make a sacrifice. And this is beyond and above the tithe. Now I'm sacrificially given. Now I'm making a sacrifice because that means I've got to give up some. I've got to sit down with my lovely bride and we've got to look at our checkbook and we've got to say, look here, we know we've given this other portion, but you know what? But it's time for us to make a sacrifice or something. Somebody out there needs something and I've got this much and what I'm going to do is I'm going to sacrifice that. I know it needs to go somewhere else in my budget, but what I'm going to do, man, is I'm going to make a sacrifice. Why? Because God made a sacrifice for me. Made a sacrifice for me, and, and and when you when you when you look at Leviticus, the first five chapters, you're going to see four uh, kinds of offerings. They they say burnt offerings, which is basically worship, you know, uh, to, to a symbol of worship to, to kind of purge something. A meal offering is similar to that. A peace offering expresses the praise of God, and then there's a gift offering that where you make atonement. Now, God even tells you in Matthew 5 that when you are going to the altar to present your offering, what people give offerings, and he says, make sure that things are right with your brother before uh, you complete that offering. It has a lot to do with communion and all kinds of things. So offerings are not tithe. You cannot confuse them. There is no rate of exchange on the offering. The offering is basically for you to say to God, because you have made a sacrifice for me, I'm going to make a sacrifice for you. Church, are you hearing me at all? I mean, this is right here in Scripture. So, 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 so the discipline is not to confuse the tithe uh, with the offering, and the offering is basis for you. Now, watch this. We're going to move on to the third one here as we get ready to wrap things up. 
So if the tithe is a measurement, act of obedience goes to the church. The offering is selflessness, which is a model, and it's for you. The last one here is called alms, A-L-S-A-L-M-S. Now, this is a beautiful one because now this one is an act of mercy. And guess who the alms is for? It is for the poor. Now, notice that. <laughs> notice that. Don't take your tithe and give it to the poor. Don't take your offering and give it to the poor. Take your alms and give it to the poor because that's where it belongs. And when you look in the New Testament, what you'll see is the beggars in the street would not be asking for offerings and alms. They would go alms, alms, alms because even the poor respected the fact that there was something that belonged to God in the church and there was something that belonged to you and now they're saying we want that part that God told you to give us because Paul says the poor will always be with you always alms alms is what is called a gift prompted by love to help the needy now, if you would turn with me, I'm not going to ask you to turn to Leviticus 25, 35, 38. Just hold that one. You don't, you don't even have to go with it. Just write that one down because it's already in your bulletin. But I'm going to ask you to turn to another spot, and that's in Matthew, okay? It's in, it's in, it's in Matthew 6, and I'm just going to look at those first four verses as we get ready to close this. Matthew 6. Look at these verses. And I just want you to get a, a feel for this. It says, beware of practicing your righteousness before men to be noticed by them. Otherwise, you have no reward with your father who is in heaven. The first thing you'll learn about uh, alms is that it is a practice. It's something that God wants you to practice. Okay. Second of all, you're going to learn that alms is a praise to God. Okay. Now watch this. When therefore you give alms, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogue and the streets that they may be honored by men. Okay. And what he's saying here that they may be honored by men. Truly I say to you, they have, they have their reward in heaven. So it's not only a practice, number two, to be praised, but watch this. Number three, it comes from a pure heart. Now, I've already given my tithe, not by obligation, because that's what God wants to bless the rate of exchange on. I've already made a sacrifice in just giving, because I just believe I need to do that for myself, is to say, God, this is beyond and above the tithe. But watch this, man. There's some people out there that need something. And it's going to be a love offering to them. And guess what? Nobody's going to know about it. Nobody. This is just something I am going to do. And because he's saying not only is it a practice, it's praise, and you got to have a pure heart in it. But watch this, this last part. But when you give arms, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, that your arms may be in secret, and your father who sees you in secret will repay you. God says, I will repay you. And in all three of them, you're going to get paid. All three of them. Because if the first one is praise, the second one, I mean, it's practice. The second one is praise. The third one is pure heart. The fourth one is private. So check this out. If you return to God, he will release and restore. That's what the tithe is. 
That's what the measurement is. That's what the obedience is. And it is to the church. If you give this offering sacrificially, it is selfless because of the model that Jesus gave you in him. And that sacrifice is for you. Okay? And then the last thing is can you have mercy and compassion on those who don't have? And then let the practice to praise, the pure heart, and the privateness take place. For eight weeks, we've been telling you about grace and attitude. That's where this starts. We've been telling you that God wants to grace you. And in his grace, he wants to give you an ability to do something way beyond your ability to do. And he wants to give you favor. But he never, ever wants you to go without. That's not the God that we serve. He never, ever wants you to not have enough. He promises that to you. He promises that to me. I thought when we started this series that my job was to talk to you about money. And this is the only Sunday in eight weeks that I've talked to you about money. Because what I learned for myself is that I had a grace problem. That I was not receiving the grace of God in my life when it came to this area. And it becomes a bad testimony to me, to you, and my family. And God changed that. And what God also had to do with me is change my attitude. And as he began to change my attitude, then I no longer had a problem asking you to do what God wants you to do so that he could bless you. So in that eight weeks, I've been delivered. In that eight weeks, I've been released. In that eight weeks, I'm seeing the devourer not come to my home. And I'm watching the floodgates open. And you, being who you are, have been so generous to actually start this campaign with us because right now we're in negotiations with some people getting ready to buy a piece of land. We can't even tell you where it is because we want to have the contract in hand first. And a small handful of people have started that process simply because you've been generous in the building fund. A small group of people, man. But God is saying, Johnny, I can do much greater than that. When this church learns about tithe, offerings, and arms, because he has taught me about it. In the Bible, so beautiful that it just doesn't beat you upside the head, but you get an opportunity to say, you know what, I have sinned, and I'm wrong. And when you turn, the people following you starts turning too. So I'm not telling you that I had my act together before I taught this. And I've been preaching in this church for 35 years and this is the first time I have taught this message and I have robbed you in doing it so ladies and gentlemen giving and receiving is the hallmark of the believer from this day forward let's let Lord the Lord show us how to be prosperous in him with our time with our talents and with our possessions. Let's pray as we get ready to take up our offering and going to have the worship team come back up and want to just ask you if you got time to come back tonight, man, and give your time to some worship. Give your time to the word of God just moving 
my life was changed two Sundays ago because a young person basically just asked me a question. You've been praying and you've been doing all this, man. God really wants to bless you, but are you ready to receive it? And I've been wrestling with that for two weeks. All I say was, God, get my heart ready to receive. There's some things you got to receive today. I just want to release you, church, today. What I want to do is release you to move about the cabin as we close this worship time after we give our offering. Because there's a lot of you who are sitting on gifts here, sitting on ministry. The Holy Spirit moves on you before you even come to church. It moves on you while I'm preaching. And on Sunday nights, we get a chance to minister to each other, man. How many people have gotten released because somebody has given them a word or laid hands on them? Some of you people in here who've got prophetic gifts, you need to quit holding on to that. Some of you who've got ministries to serve, you need to stop that. God is releasing this church. He's releasing us. So while you got the opportunity, have the freedom to minister here, okay? Call somebody. Go, you know, maybe maybe somebody put a, put, put, put a person's face on, uh, right in front of you when they walked in the room. And you before you leave, why don't you bless them? <laughs> Love on them, man. Yeah. Let's give our talents. Let's give our time. So, Father, we bless you and we honor you. <laughs> and we ask that you will bless the offering like you always did. In Jesus' precious name, amen and amen.